Hey, it's Cole. Welcome to this week's episode of the Entrepreneur Podcast, where every week we talk about how you can bring your creative dreams to life. Usually we spend time talking about an idea and then I just bring a few bullet points on each of those ideas. This week, going to change it up a little bit. Going to talk more about my personal journey, my personal story, and some of the things I've learned over the course of making stuff and building creative endeavors, initiatives, and art. And I hope that along the way, you'll hear some of these things and they'll be inspiring and encouraging or even challenging to you as well. And I would say that if I were to define my story in a short title, it would be create and keep creating, make stuff and keep making stuff is essentially my story. So I'm just going to talk to you about kind of the history of my own creative career. And again, along the way, we'll talk about some practical things that have been huge lessons for me and how I do stuff. So stick with me and let's go on this journey together. So I actually grew up doing a lot of creative stuff, but not necessarily knowing how to embrace or nurture my own creativity. For example, I grew up in a pretty religious context and Um, While creative things were embraced, a creative mindset necessarily wasn't something that was valued. In fact, often it was seen as a liability. So there was music and dance and theater and a lot of artistic offerings, design, graphics, opportunities to make videos. I actually was surrounded by a lot of the technical expressions of creativity, but I wasn't cultivated in the thing that truly made me creative, which was the ability and is the ability to see the world differently. My context growing up actually spent a lot of time encouraging all of us to be exactly the same to like the same things, to look the same way, to think the same things, to act the same way. It was all just kind of about being the same. And the more we could be the same, the more noble or holy or upright we were perceived as being. And so that was really confusing to me growing up. It was safe to stand on stage and sing other people's songs and sing what I was told to sing, but I really wanted to be somebody who was making songs, and I didn't necessarily even know the difference between those two things when I was growing up. I thought I was exercising my creativity by being a musician. But really, I wasn't exploring my creativity much at all. I was technically proficient at singing and gave a lot of my time and effort and energy and being good at that, and I'm really grateful for that. But at the same time, there was this thing inside of me that I have over the last 20 years or so really learned to embrace and cultivate, and that's the ability to think creatively, to see the world differently, to look into a void and see something there, whether that's a piece of art on a lawn or a festival in the middle of 10 city blocks or any sort of thing that doesn't yet exist, thinking about it in the context of it existing. And some of my most valuable assets were seen as and were kind of like described to me as liabilities. So when I started trying to do more of those creative things like songwriting, it just felt like an awkward exercise. It felt to some degree like I was doing something I wasn't supposed to be doing. 
because I was exhibiting self-expression. And that is at the core of what it means to be a creative person. And I've spent the last you know, couple decades going to counseling and talking with friends and doing the hard work of exploring just what my voice is and what I am good at and how I do see the world and understanding how to reframe those things so that they are seen by me as the valuable assets that they truly are. As I continued to grow in my creative expression, I started touring uh, with a band. It was me and four other guys in a 15-passenger van, and we were hauling all over the country and playing uh, music venues and having a really great time doing it, seeing a lot of the country and very much enjoying what it was that we were doing. But ultimately, I came to a place where I understood that like, just playing songs on stage is not what I want to be doing. I want to be creating experiences. So our bandmates got together and we created these, out of wood, these structures that we would place our amps in. And our amps would be on the bottom and then TV screens would be on top. And I had these wonderful videographer friends and photographer friends who were so good at making content. And this was like 2007. So it was kind of before we saw a lot of media in the world everywhere we went. It was before, you know, the ubiquity of social media. It was like the MySpace days. And so we got these creator friends together and made some really wonderful video content. And when we would roll into a music venue, uh, we'd open up the back of our van or our trailer. We'd roll those things out, put them on stage and wire all of them up. And for all of our songs, we would have these videos that were synced to our click track that um, we were all listening to and we would play these songs. And it wasn't any longer just about playing music. It was how can we create an experience using all the tools at our disposal and engage the audience in a fresh, new, more meaningful, deeper way. And we really started looking at the holistic experience not just the one thing that we were expected to do because we were a band. A couple years later, after kind of doing all that touring stuff, I went to Valencia, Spain with my friend Jake, 2009, and um, we were there during a festival, an annual festival called Las Fallas, and it happens in the spring every year around Easter, and in Valencia, a million people come to the city. And it's this really special thing. The neighborhoods get together and they build these statues all over the city. There's several hundred of them. The one in the main square is like 90 feet tall. And the last three days of the festival are just this intense celebration of fireworks and fire. And so there are tens of thousands of fireworks going off for three days straight like not a second goes by where there isn't the sound of a firework, uh, either very close or off in the distance. And the last day of the festival, as all of these people assemble in the streets, they set all of these statues on fire. And it's this incredible sight to behold. There's fire trucks driving around, putting water all over the buildings to preemptively make sure they don't catch on fire. And there's all these people everywhere and there's like flamethrowers and uh, these like spark shooting things. And there's this really incredible parade. And then there's these massive statues that are burning. And I was standing there 
like feeling the heat of the like 130 foot flames coming off this statue in the main plaza. And I thought to myself, this is an experience. And this is the kind of experience I want to create. I want to create really unique experiences in an urban core that reflect and help shape the identity of a place that bring people together in a powerful way. And in that process of that experience, I really began to uncover some things that were deeply meaningful to me. And so, you know, earlier, you know, in my high school days, I was kind of figuring out, okay, what actually is creativity and what value does it have that I see the world differently? And then I had this experience in 2009 in Valencia and I thought, oh, you can bring people together in a really special way by creating meaningful experiences in the public space. And I fell in love with it. And so in 2012, um, I created uh, my first piece of public art with my friend Josh. It was a tree called the Tree of Light. And we had this company build an aluminum structure and then we covered it in recycled and reclaimed wood. And there were these lights hanging from it. And uh, it was time to put it up and we had secured the rights to put it up in a business plaza in downtown Orlando. So we called a bunch of friends, they got their pickup trucks, we loaded all of this stuff into the back of the pickup truck. We worked all night long, like kind of getting all of these pieces in place so that they would fit together the way they're supposed to fit together. And, um, as the sun was rising, um, I was, I had my eyes closed cause I was just so exhausted and I heard snap bang. And what had happened is, um, one of the people who was helping us put the tree together, leaned back on one of the branches and the weld that the aluminum company had welded together wasn't strong enough to hold both the branch and the weight of the human. And so the thing came crashing down to the ground and we were devastated. I, that night kind of broke down honestly and started crying. And it was this very kind of like public thing because we had been publicizing, Hey, we've made this sculpture and we're going to put it up downtown and we're going to have a launch event. And like, the weekly paper wrote about it and we had sent out all of these invitations to like people in government and our city and arts leaders and those kinds of things. And it was, we had to contact all those people and say, Hey, forget about it. The thing broke. We'll reformulate how we're going to do this and we'll come back around to it later. That was not a great experience. But that same year, I got together with a group of friends and uh, we created a theatrical show called Connected, an Interactive Experience. And we premiered it at the Orlando International Fringe Theater Festival. And it was this show that unfolded on stage, but we had also uh, wired every seat in the theater with headphones. And as audience members would see what was happening on stage, between the scenes, there was this third party third-person omniscient guide who would essentially talk the audience through their own experiences related to those themes of connectedness and relationship uh, in their own lives. And so it was kind of this mix of theater and introspection. And it was really well-received. We got some awards for it. Um, it sold out like the whole run. It was really, really great. And it was this very interesting juxtaposition between this tragic public sculpture experience and a really meaningful and well-received theatrical one. 
And it really continued to feed a lot of things inside of me. One, to say, okay, this ended in disaster and it really sucked and I hated every minute of it and it was emotionally and physically very difficult. But things move on. And from the theatrical standpoint with our Connected show, I learned a lot with that as far as collaborating with people and making things with friends and those kinds of things. Well, that same year, again, in 2012, uh, that's the year that I called a bunch of my musician friends and said, hey, come play your guitar in the street corner. Or to my dancer friends, hey, come choreograph a dance in that vacant lot. And um, in October that year, we did a bunch of just kind of like pop-up art things. And again, really well-received. And that was the seed of what it is that I give a lot of my time to today, which is a large performing and interactive arts festival called Immerse. And it all started with me just calling those friends and saying, come play your guitar on the street corner. And in the 2013, we iterated. We said, okay, what are the best parts of what we made in 2012? And how could we make it even better? And one of the things that we discovered in 2012 is that doing these creative things was really great and doing them pop-up style was really great, but doing them kind of disparately at random times during the month of October, it's hard to get people to drive to a destination for a 20-minute pop-up performance, even when that performing arts organization is Cirque du Soleil. And so what we did in 2013 was we iterated on that festival idea and we condensed all of that energy down to one day, a single day in 2013. And over the next seven years, we continued to invest so, so much time, effort, and energy into making that thing what it is now and even what it continues to become into the future. And one of the experiences of that seven years of investment has been wanting it to grow, asking people for money, and encountering a lot of resistance along the way. And I learned a lesson in that, and that's that not everyone can see what we see. When we're building something, when we have a dream for something, that dream is ours. That vision is ours. And no matter how well we think we're communicating it, a lot of times people can't understand a thing until they actually experience it. And so I would go in and I would make these pitches asking for corporate sponsors or for government uh, sponsorships and would kind of just be met with a blank stare and a lot of times would get no's or not yet or we'll give you a little bit but not what you're asking for and uh and that I learned that lesson over the course of that time that not everybody can see what it is that we see that our vision is our vision and we have to bring that vision to life a lot of times in order for people to understand what it is that that we're making but along the way, we made what we could with what we had. The disheartening experience of not having people understand what it was that we were making wasn't something that stopped us. We continued to make what we could with what we had today. And for seven years, we've been scrapping it, building it, devoting our time. I've shed a lot of tears and I've certainly bled some blood in the process. I've done a lot of pitching. I've heard a lot of no's. And increasingly these days, we hear more and more yeses, which I think is one of the biggest lessons of this whole thing, is that we focused in on building a Merce for nearly a decade and gave a lot of time, effort, and energy, and attention and emotional thought and so many things to that process. 
but we narrowed our focus and we really dove into that initiative. This past seven months in 2020 and the beginning of 2021, we've been able to expand those offerings. We've been able to produce a holiday event at our local botanical gardens called Dazzling Nights that brought 37,000 people. We just closed a couple weeks ago a show called Down the Rabbit Hole that sold out before opening weekend. And we've just seen doors continue to open and more and more opportunity laid out in front of us. And I really do think so much of it comes back to the lessons that we've learned along the way, the lessons I've learned along the way. And I'm just going to end by summarizing four of those lessons. One, do what you can with what you have today. We all want more money. We all want more resources. We all want more people. We all want better talent. But do what you can with what you have today. Number two, Commit to a thing and keep going. Pick a thing and keep going. Commit to a thing and keep going. When it's hard, keep going. When it feels like you're not getting any traction, keep going. I really believe that the just waterfall of opportunity that uh, that is surrounding me these days that I'm so grateful for has come because we made a thing and stayed committed to it. We were faithful with what we had, and now we're given more and more opportunity. More opportunity to create new work, more opportunity to partner with new people, more opportunity to take that work to other parts of the country and around the world, and it's so exciting. Along the way, another lesson, eliminate some good things that ultimately will become distractions. Eliminate some good things that ultimately will become distractions. For me, There are so many things I love. I love music. I love writing. I love radio. Um, I love words in general. There's just so much I love. And I had this existential crisis along the way where I came to the question asking time of like, am I doing too many things? And to some degree, the question was yes. And it necessitated that I narrow my focus for a time so that I could focus in on building the thing that it was that I and so many other people were giving our energy to. And now in 2020, I recorded some new music, same in 2021. I'm about to release four more songs. And those things have taken a different position in my life. I really do go to them just because I love them so much. And they're an opportunity to collaborate with other musicians and have fun bringing something to life with other people that I like bringing things to life with. Um, But for a time, like I wasn't invested in music the way that I was in my early 20s. And I, I just learned that lesson. Eliminate some good things that ultimately are good, but can become distractions. And lastly, invite others in and give things away. I see this being the most critical component of building anything and the biggest threat to disaster. And it is wanting to hold on and retain control of every aspect of a thing. The only reason we're able to put on events for 100,000 people like Immerse or the only way we're able to facilitate experiences like Dazzling Nights with 37,000 ticket holders is because there's a lot of really great people involved in the process. I am often the face and voice of the things that we do, and I love that, and I'm so grateful for that opportunity, and I love being that face and that voice, but 
Over the last seven months, creating three really epic events, we worked with probably 75 other people to make those things happen. And there are a lot of people who worked just as hard, if not harder than I did on those initiatives. And I think that is truly the way to growth and success is by inviting the right people in and then entrusting them with the thing that you've asked them to do. So that's my story. And I hope that in some way you find some value in it. Um, as always, I'd love to connect with you. Reach out on Instagram at Cole Neesmith. Also, follow Archerpreneur Podcast on Instagram where we put little video clips to kind of keep you going throughout the week. Uh, until next week, go out, be creative, share your story, and uh, create and keep creating. See ya.